Welcome to another episode of Video Game Logic. Today's episode was recorded on April the 9th, 2019. I'm your host, Gaming Psychologist, and with me, as always, the Lelou to my Corbin Dallas. Multipass. And caffeine rage. <laughs> That'll be in the Franken content at some point. <laughs> on today's episode, we will, of course, be discussing the games that we've played this week. Fallout 76 is getting repair kits, and fans say they're paid to win. A real-life U.S. politician is banned from EVE Online for alleged corruption. (laughs) Nintendo is the ninth most reputable company in the U.S. It's the only gaming company to crack the top ten. We'll have our weekly community corner with a quick discussion about Game Night and a Steam Discovery queue. Timestamps will be in the show notes following their respective topics. I think I said spamps. (laughs) Hello, Rage. How are you? Uh, Spamps. That's a new one. Spamps. I don't think that's a word. Uh, I think that's something that you have to use to send uh, fan, uh, mail to spam. <laughs> to the whore mail company. Google says, did you mean stamps? No, I want results only for spamps. Spamps is a restaurant. Of course it is. In Pennsylvania. Spamps restaurant. It's probably like a family name or something. Oh, Spamps Incorporated. Business bankruptcies. Now, now at Spam's, do they have all the weird shit on the wall like shenanigans? <laughs> they should. They should. <laughs> all right, I'm going to close that away or get away from that for now. This is like a really, we're in like a really weird place tonight. We've talked about Hitler and a Netflix drama comedy that's about Hitler. No, it's a comedy. It's not a trauma, Com- or at least it's not a, listed a as a comedy. At least it's not listed as a uh, as a trauma. We talked about a comedy about Hitler and the Fifth Element and <laughs> random th- things we didn't know. All of it is excellent Franken content, and you will hear it at some point, dear listener, but not today. Aside from those little teases, but it'll probably be in the next Franken episode. I don't know. I need to finish editing the one, and then we've probably got enough content for a second one. It's just on my sort of nebulous list of things to do. But uh, outside yeah. of trademark spamps, yeah, spamps. I'm gonna trademark that. <laughs> we will see how long we go tonight. We, uh, in terms of recording time, we're thinking it's gonna be a short one, just because we each had things going on. We didn't get to play as many games as we wanted, and it was a slow. Newsweek, although watch, as soon as we finish recording, it'll be like 14 gigantic news topics that would be interesting to talk about. Uh, it, that, well, that's how it always is. Don't worry, I'm yeah. muttering uh, uh, Reddit. Sweet. But, uh, yeah, you went on a little adventure last week, and then my kid had his fifth birthday, and I had to entertain small children. We, got, we were going to go to the zoo, which was going to be or tiring enough going to the Knoxville Zoo with uh, a small horde of children. Uh, and then we got rained out, so we had the party just at our house, and they were here for a while and, you know, played and watched TV and did stuff, and my, my parents were here for a while, and that was okay. 
there was surprisingly they were well behaved there was no politics discussion or anything but it was many hours of entertainment plus i was about to say uh, set up. they were well behaved are you talking about the children or your parents mm, my parents mostly no not the children there there were periods of time where the children were well behaved but there was plenty of crying and screaming and he touched me he took my thing he's not sharing with me so sunday night i closed myself in my office for several hours and fell asleep watching uh stuff on amazon i messaged you really quick to say hi and then i kind of crashed on my couch <laughs> in here um but we had uh, he's discovered the joy of lego so i have we went and got my legos from my parents house down from the attic from when i was a kid there must be 10,000 Lego in that huge container. And we went and we separated them out to try and find as many sets as we could. And then oh, put them uh, in little Noling? smaller storage containers. Huh? Uh, Noling. Yeah. Noling? K-N-O-L-L-I-N-G. Noling is a unique way of uh, taking photos or similar objects in an interesting manner. It's essentially grouping everything. Uh, but for Lego kits, it's getting all the like pieces together. Ah, we well, yeah, we didn't separate them out like piece by piece, but more color by color. And even that was still yeah. Just very... search Noling Lego. Okay, and you'll see what I'm talking about. Uh, another thing oh, that you didn't know. interesting. Yeah, <laughs> I, I for one That's blame cool. Adam Savage for this or for me knowing this. <laughs> That looks very satisfying, I have to say, as someone who is very much into sort of organizational, sort of repetitive type of tasks. That does look very, very satisfying. And also it makes it a lot easier to follow the instructions because you're not digging through a bunch of bags. Indeed. Yeah. But... So I have been very immersed in Legos for days at this point. I think I've had enough Legos for a little while, but my kid does not show any sign of slowing down, so. Well, uh, you're doomed. Yep. As soon as I can get him into Minecraft, then all that shit can be digital and we can stop having to clean up 500 Legos off of the floor every day. Legos, the uh, modern uh, cop trop. Yeah. In his room, like, it's fine, because he's the one who has to be in there and step on all the Legos, but anything that's out in the hallway or in the living room, it's like, nope, that's got to be picked up. So. Anyways. do you, uh, Did you want to talk about your adventure for a minute? Uh, or do you I can. I mean, I mean, it was... Uh, possibly gaming related but it didn't turn out that way i decided that i needed to get out of the house for a little bit and it was actually a decent day well it started off a cold uh, cold one but uh it turned into fairly decent towards like late morning so i decided you know a lazy game reviewer has been a terrible influence on me let's go thrifting <laughs> and i did look for uh gaming related stuff and i did see a couple of uh gaming related things but there wasn't you know anything that jumped out at me uh 
maybe my local Goodwill slash Salvation Army slash just there's a couple that's run by local churches, just thrift yeah. stores. Well, I mean, that's typically how it uh, runs anyway, right? Uh, right? Some sort of religious group. Uh, so I ended up just getting a bunch of like houseware stuff, you know, just got a, a serving platter, a bunch of stuff for the kitchen and a absolutely massive cookbook. I mean, I think I nearly killed the lady whenever I handed it to her to price check it because they didn't have anything listed for, uh, the books in that section of the, of the store. <laughs> it's like, uh, what's the price on this? And I handed it to her with one hand and she didn't, I guess she didn't. I think that a fairly big guy, yeah, probably, uh, yeah, a big book is probably going to be heavy, right? Yeah. I just hand it to her and she nearly drops it. <laughs> oh, did have a, a couple interesting uh, interactions on the bus. I got a fairly cheap uh a set of wireless earbuds. I mean, completely wireless. And I put them in on the bus and I turn and there's just this guy just sitting there, his mouth agape, just like I blew his fucking mind. <laughs> <laughs> and it took me a moment to realize just why he was, uh, you know, like, uh, just stunned because, you know, I got the, uh, a cheap, essentially a cheap version of the AirPods, you know, the, Earbuds that have no wire whatsoever. They just look like uh, earplugs. Yeah. And it just blew his mind that they're that small now. <laughs> uh, let's see. There was another guy that was trying to load his prepaid phone, and he couldn't figure out uh, which number was which on the receipt. <laughs> and I don't mess with prepaid phones, so I didn't know, but I didn't care either. But it was hilarious watching him, uh, you know, Go back and forth between like two 15, 20 digit numbers trying, uh, just cussing the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> and this was like the first thing on the bus as well. I mean, I don't have a car. So in order for me to get into a town, it's riding the bus, which you know, I only go, you know, once every so often. So it's not that big a deal, but it's also, you know, more entertaining, you know? Yeah. And while I was waiting for the bus to, on the ride home, there was this uh, little uh, black guy that he, he ta- had the speech pattern of pretty much every single stereotypical black preacher that you ever see in movies. Okay. Uh, you know, his, uh, uh, he talks normally and then all of a sudden it just, uh, hammers home the point whenever he it hits a period in a sentence. Would that, <laughs> Yeah. I can't quite mimic the cadence, but I know what you're saying. Yeah, he was, uh, he saw me check uh, when the bus was going to show up on my phone. And, uh, we got talking and he was talking about how he was shunning technology and he was talking about, well, when I got hit by this Ford, fuck yes, sir. And, and I'm just thinking, <laughs> uh, is this, uh, like a candid TV show. Is there a camera around here somewhere that I should know about? <laughs> because I didn't realize that people would actually talk like that. Uh, casually, I should say, you know? Yeah. 
And well, I mean, we had a good conversation, but at the same time, I was thinking stereotypes are true for a reason. <laughs> and I know that makes me sound incredibly racist, but at the same time, you know, it's uh, the truth on this one, right? Yeah. Does that make it uh, better or worse on me? Mm, yes and no. No, I don't think it makes you worse. It makes it worse. I mean, at least I'm not voting Republican. That is true. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> uh, I'm sure that there's uh, very fine people on uh, both sides. Huh. That's interesting. What? Craig just says he hasn't heard anything from me for five minutes. That's, That's something if you've gotten. Uh, well, I don't see Craig uh, lighting up for uh, whenever one of us talks. That is, yep. Let's reset, Craig. Reset. Recording to Electric Boogaloo. I don't see yes. uh, Craig lighting up again. I also don't see him lighting up. Oh, there he goes. Oh, there's some. Okay. So there's a little bit of a delay on him getting started, it looks like. It but, lives! Kill it! I don't know what happened there. I've never, I've never gotten that message before, so who knows? Maybe yeah. Craig just had a little bit of a, a, a hiccup or a stumble. Yeah, maybe. Who knows? Uh, so, uh, I guess that's enough of me being quasi-racist. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Let's uh, let's go talk about the games, unless the game you're going to talk about is somehow racist. I don't know. I've never played this before. Oh, yeah, uh, because it's a color war. Yes. Because it's a CCG. Rage. Indeed. Tell me about the games or game. game that you played this week. So I got an uh, Alpha Invite to Mythgard, which is an upcoming CCG, uh, well, collectible card game. And uh, I'm not going to talk about a lot about this because, I mean, it's a CCG. So there's, yeah, uh, there's the card building mechanic and, you know, it, it's pretty bog standard on that. But they do a couple of things that are... Interesting gameplay wise. So I would say this is like a combination of Magic the Gathering meets Hearthstone. Uh, in how they do the mana, uh, uh, generation as well as how, well, for one, the cards are a lot more verbose and there's a lot more options tactically going on. So Mythgard uh, it has a story mode, but the first chapter's uh, the only thing that's available in it so far. And it's right at the point where I have no idea what the fuck is going on. There's like two or three different protagonists that are all working against one another right now. But even though... Okay. I do I have to admit, I do like the uh, girl that's left the underworld to find her mother solely because of the weapon that she uses. All right. Okay. It's the bat of persuasion. I approve of this. <laughs> the bat of persuasion. Yes. Okay. The, the game has a a a little bit of a humor about it, and it doesn't really come across in any of the screenshots that I could tell. It's a sci-fi fantasy. It's set um. Uh, uh, somewhat in the future, uh, on a kind of semi-ruined Earth. 
and there's a corporation that's uh, gathering up gods to harvest their blood for some reason at, for some sort of drug. They don't really go that far into the in the story that's available so far. So a very interesting world to begin with. And uh, there's a bit of a humor about it as well, like uh, the some of the red cards which are associated with the character that you start off the story with. And I'm blanking on her name right now. Uh, they're like the mini tour. And the, the flavor text on it is like, well, uh, his, uh, his uh, maze was likely on the back of a, a coloring book. And it's just this little miniature minotaur. <laughs> mini tour. Okay. <laughs> I like that. Uh, it's an, cute another, and a good bun. Yeah, another one of the uh, protagonists is a uh, either the leader or high up of uh, the Valkyries of the Storm, which is a biker chick gang. <laughs> and you can see one, uh, one of the screenshots is a uh, some of the card art uh, that I'm sure that you'll appreciate her assets. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, but you can see that it's set in like a, a modern or somewhat uh, futuristic with uh, a dragon attacking a jumbo jet <laughs> for another card. Uh, so, yeah, that's the setting. And uh, the story looks interesting so far. It really depends on just how far you go into it or, or you know, what they do with it. And the uh, the deck that you're using on it is constantly changing due to the protagonist that you're using. And each one is associated with a different color, which uh, changes the story-based deck. And as you level up, you get uh, 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 card packs, blah, 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 you, you know, the uh, drill there. Uh, card packs in this are six cards instead of five, which is unusual, but, you know, nothing groundbreaking. I didn't unlock the crafting mechanic yet, so I'm not sure how they're handling that. I know that there's some sort of disc, uh, uh, disenchanting going on, so likely Hearthstone-based. But where things get interesting is gameplay, all right? This is a lane-based CCG. Okay. Uh, I think uh, the Elder Scrolls uh, uh, card game is sort of like that. Uh, it's lane-based. Yes, Okay, yeah, so you have... Most of the time it has two lanes. Occasionally you have three. On this you have seven. All right? Oh, okay. Uh, you can see on one of the screenshots, so you may want to go there to uh, follow along. You have seven lanes. Minions that you summon could attack the three lanes in front of them. Either the one directly ahead or the one to the left or to the right. Unless they're on the ends, which then you have two choices. And then you have enchantments, which could alter those lanes. So in one of the stories, uh, story missions, there's an enchantment that is on the center lane on both sides, where if a minion occupies that, you can draw an extra card. As far as I could tell, there's not much card draw mechanics in the decks themselves, but I haven't unlocked enough of the decks to really be able to tell for certain. But card draw is king in this because of the mana system. The mana system is completely out there. So, whenever you uh, uh, start a game, you draw your hand, there's no, no mulligan system. Instead, how you power your cards is you essentially discard one of your cards back into the deck. Then whatever color your card is, it activates a gem on the uh, ticker at the bottom. 
and adds one to your total mana pool. So drawing a card that you can't use right away is actually kind of a good thing because you're cycling it back into your deck instead of just discarding it onto the boneyard. But it also makes it so that you have to be a little bit more strategic because a red card will give you a red gem, a yellow card gives you a yellow gem, uh, so on. And some cards are multicolored, which is why I call it kind of a mixture of Magic the Gathering meets Hearthstone on this front. With a little bit of Elder Scrolls mixed in as well. Okay. And a lot of the strategy is figuring out, okay, this card I could use in two turns or I could burn it to give me an extra mana gem and an extra mana. And those regenerate at the end of your turn. Or, at, well, at the start of your next turn, I should say. So it's the Hearthstone model there. It's just you're adding one to the pool. You can only do it once per turn. Or do I want to risk going with less mana but not burn as many of my cards so I have more options? It's an interesting strategic level to it that I actually really enjoyed so far. Uh, the other thing that makes me really think of Magic the Gathering is how they handle their legendaries. Uh, I mentioned okay. how the cards are a lot more verbose. Well, the legendaries, as far as I could tell, all have an energy system about them. Where whenever you summon them, uh, th- well, this game is, feels like it's built around a mobile device just because it handles pretty much exclusively, um, mouse driven only. And there's a lot of swiping and, uh, scrolling, uh, with, uh, yeah, by clicking and dragging. So obviously, you know, some sort of bubble uh, release at some point. Whenever you uh, summon a legendary, the legendaries have different abilities that they can activate. And I'm not sure there's one shown on any of the screenshots, which is unfortunate. Uh, one of the ones that I found was uh, a bard that's a blue legendary. That's a rock star. All right. So you, okay. you summon him and he plays this guitar rift. And then... Uh, he has different abilities. Uh, one is uh, that generates energy for him is one of the few card draw mechanics I found, which is he draws a card and then you have to discard a card back into your deck. So it's a cycle mechanic. Uh, then uh, if he has so much energy uh, built up, he's untargetable by spells and you have to fight him uh, in melee combat or, you know, uh, in actual combat. Uh, if he's also able to bestow by burning energy, uh, that ability to other cards, uh, by giving them a keyword. Uh, so yeah, it's a lot more interesting than Hearthstone's legendaries, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> and it looked like, uh, pretty much all the legendaries had some sort of mechanic like that where, uh, the legendary to generate energy does something that you have to have a strategic choice with. And then it has different abilities that you could use to burn. Like there, I saw one on another deck that uh, was a, a, a damage ability where uh, draw. Uh, yeah, it was some sort of draw or something. I can't recall what the actual energy re- uh, generation was, but it burnt energy. It and it damaged uh, enemy minions. So it's essentially a battery, but you have to uh, be strategic about it because. This is Hearthstone mechanics on health, so unless you have the keyword regen, your health does not regenerate unless you actively heal. 
So yeah, the, once again, the strategy comes into th- into play. And also, whenever you you have the option to move across the board, but you can only move one space at a time, so your uh, positioning on your uh, minions is a lot more important than Hearthstone <laughs> could ever hope to be, honestly. Just because of the enchantments, because of uh, blocking of going around uh, minions. Uh, some minions are able to ignore uh, other minions and attack directly if they have uh, a free lane. Then there's other minions that are essentially uh, the... Uh, now I'm blanking on the damn uh, <laughs> keyword from Hearthstone, where you have uh, have to attack them first. Uh... Is it charge? No, charge is uh, um, well. Oh, where you have where where they're like a shield, and yeah. they have to. Um, it's been so long since I played Hearthstone. Yeah, but you know what I'm talking about. But they're the ones that are the shield guys. Mm-hmm. And you have to. They have to be destroyed first. Yeah, there's some. Yeah, there's some that else. draw fire. There's uh, some that are able to ignore that. There's the region mechanics that are on some. Uh, so there's a lot of various options uh, going on. Uh, so far, I enjoyed it. It is going to be free to play eventually when it releases. It's just going to be, you know, it's a C, it's a, yes, and yet, yet another CCG. So can it get a player base? And that's my big concern about it. I'm not sure if it's going to be on mobile. I'm actually double checking that. Yeah, it's going to be on mobile. Uh, yeah, it's going to be on iOS and Android, so it will have some sort of player base at least. It sounds interesting. Yeah, it sounds like a really good CCG. Yeah, it, yeah, it has some different. It has some definitely uh, interesting mechanics. It has a puzzle mode already in it. It has a, essentially the uh, um, uh, the draft mode, both a PVE and a PVP version of it. Uh, it has this, a full story mode, which has changing decks depending on the characters. Uh, so overall, I'm fairly impressed by it. I do have some nitpicks and also, you know, some concerns just because, you know, I didn't unlock enough to know just, you know, how, what their final model is going to be because right now it's being very generous with how many card packs you get. Uh, I don't know just how, uh, annoying the crafting mechanics are. Uh, probably my biggest nitpick about it is its colors that it chooses. All right. Okay. It has blue, and it has uh, uh, yellow, orange, and red. It has a very reddish orange and a very orangish red. <laughs> so you have to be very careful about those. I screwed up my draft for PVE just testing out that mode because I grabbed a card that I couldn't use. And it kind of screwed me over. I realized that's partly on me because I just wasn't paying attention to it. But at the same time, yeah, that's a pretty, yeah, uh, yeah, uh, easy to mistake thing. Uh, on the actual screenshots, it doesn't look as reddish as it, or as orangish as it is on the draft mode. But the yellow, the orange, and the red are very similar on the cards. So that's an annoyance. Uh, I would say that the, uh, oh, oh, that's one other thing I almost forgot is that it has different powers and what they have, what they call a path system. So in Hearthstone, whenever you start second, you get the coin. 
Right. Which is considered the superior play, honestly, <laughs> by most people. In this, it, things are a little bit different. You have powers, which is pretty much direct uh, comparison to Hearthstone. Uh, there's one that is a two damage to the enemy player. There's uh, there's one that decreases uh, health and attack by one till the uh, start of your uh, uh, till the end of your turn, and all of them cost two mana. Yeah, it's pretty much yeah. Uh, you could draw a parallel. What's interesting is the path system. I only unlocked one so far, and there was others available on the arena that I just, I can't recall what they are. But what they do is they're different base level powers for your entire deck. Uh, where they show this off mostly is in the story mode with the Valkyrie, uh, with the Valkyries of the Storm. Uh, that particular deck has a lot of very low powered minions that you're, that you're meant to throw away. To buff up other minions, okay? Usually a pretty annoying deck to have to deal with because it requires a lot of mana and a lot of card draw. Well, the version of the deck in the story mode, it's running this particular path that after losing three minions, it takes the bottom minion off the boneyard and puts it back in your hand for a one-off uh, recast. Uh, and it's an interesting thing. It's, uh, uh, different paths have different powers. Uh, some are more damage focused. Some, I believe, heal. And it adds a little bit more variety to, uh, potential meta uh, possibilities. And I'm, I'm a little hesitant to just, you know, try to figure out what the meta would be on this game because meta and card games are notorious on being very narrowly focused. So I'm not sure if that will happen to this game. If, you know, it catches on to the point where a meta develops, I should say. But, you know, pretty much anything that shakes up the card game mechanics, right? It is right. really welcome in my books. And just the fact that uh, it plays so differently. Uh, the first couple of games where they started introducing the lane mechanics just it was uh really refreshing especially when they started introducing the enchantments where you have to figure out okay well i could uh, attack with this guy or i could move him over and summon a bigger and um, better uh, uh minion into that enchantment to have it, that enchantment be on a stronger uh, minion later on or uh, some of the enchantments that, like I said, they're card draw based where you basically just have to occupy them and it becomes a more strategic level of trying to hold a point, essentially. It almost becomes a, a king of the hill situation. So, yeah, overall, fairly impressed with it. We'll just see if they uh, avoid mucking it up like uh, Faria did. <laughs> I hope not. It sounds very interesting. I definitely want to get into it. I'm always on the lookout for a good CCG. Yeah, and also, like I said, it has an interesting world building so far. Oh, one other thing. One other thing. Uh, the, the deck building. This is a very minor thing, but it's very important to me. All right. You know how okay. in most deck, uh, in most CCGs, whenever you hit the card limit, that's it. No more adding cards. Yes. In this, you're allowed to go over the limit and then start paring down your deck. 
And it makes it so okay. much easier to build your deck like that. <laughs> I know it's a very minor thing, but for me, that that's how I like to build my deck is, okay, let's throw everything in and then start paring down instead of, okay, uh, I want to build the formula from uh, the base up. Also, it's 40 card decks instead of the typical 30 for uh, CCG, which is interesting. But then again, yeah, with the mana uh, generation thing going on, uh, the extra 10 cards are probably uh, going to come into play as essentially burn cards. Yeah. Yeah, Even though they do cycle back into the, they do cycle back into the deck and not into the boneyard though. So they are essentially uh, shuffled back into the, uh, into play. So yeah, it's, but having a bigger deck uh, makes it so that it's, Less likely to be uh, gamed, I guess. Uh, and I think the maximum was four per, uh, copies of a particular card instead of the traditional three. But yeah, overall, fairly impressed. Uh, any questions? Mm, I don't think so. Just that I want to play it. Uh, because of the Valkyrie so, of the Storm? It- Yes, but also because it just sounds like a really interesting, good. I, I will CCG. say that the voice acting uh, for the story mode is a yeah a little bit lackluster. I mean, it's not terrible, but at the same time, it's not amazing. And they don't have a lot of voice acting for in the game just yet. But there's also a lot of placeholder art, and it's also hilarious because whenever you hit placeholder art, it's drawn with MS Paint. <laughs> So you have all these, nice. uh, well, you can see on the screenshots, all the very high end, uh, art. And then you hit something that's placeholder and it's just like a bear, uh, uh, uh standing there and that's drawn in MS paint uh, and it says placeholder. <laughs> I kind of like that though. It's funny. And oh, an MS paint CCG. Yes, please. <laughs> um, okay, cool. You want to go talk about a game we sort of barely briefly talked about last week and not sure how much more we'll have to say yeah, this week? Uh, Elder Scrolls Blade is now open up to the public for anyone that wants to play, or I should say anybody that uh, could stomach it, <laughs> because damn. Yeah, you really don't like it, uh, there's and a I'm shock. in this weird place about it. Uh, you're, like, you're in the I place where, about- like, where I was with uh, Plants vs. Zombies, where... It fills a role that you want, but outside of it, it's terrible. Yeah. Yeah, it's... It's not... So compared to other Elder Scrolls games, it's bad. It's definitely the worst Elder Scrolls game I've ever played. But compared to a lot of other mobile games, it's pretty good. So it's just in this weird place of like, well, I would never play it unless I'm like on a plane to go visit my in-laws or at work and maybe I forgot my laptop or for some reason the situation I'm in I can't use my laptop or you know a few other instances maybe a long way to the doctor's office where I've got you know 30 minutes of guaranteed time something like that like or I've been up for uh, 24 hours and I'm so tired uh, but uh, I'm past the point of being able to fall asleep so you know load it up yeah for you. <laughs> so, the biggest issue I have with it is honestly the controls. The mobile, on-screen, touch-screen controls are all terrible. 
as soon as controller support is in it, uh, I think it'll be a lot more playable, which would make it a little more enjoyable. It wouldn't make it a better game, because I think that'll make a lot of the stuff, whether this is a distilled mobile game, way more obvious. But just moving around in the in a dungeon and stuff is really frustrating on the phone, because either you're using the on-screen joysticks, which are never quite precise, and then my big fat hands and thumbs are in the way, or you're using that's like tap and you run over to that location. But that doesn't always quite figure out where I want to go if I'm trying to go a long distance. Uh, so that gets annoying. Yeah, it's uh, it doesn't bode well whenever the first thing that they introduce uh, is, okay, well, this is uh, the uh, path to where you need to go next for your quest. Yeah. The the dungeons, did you actually do any of the quests and check out the dungeons? Uh, yeah, and um, uh, they make Skyrim dungeons look very deep and complex. Yeah, they're, these dungeons are fairly linear. Fairly? There's like a couple of hidden rooms that you can find and like some secrets. And uh, like the first one is extremely limited because it's serving doubly as like an extended tutorial. There, the second one and the third one I went into were still fairly linear, but they had more sort of secret areas or whatever, not really any alternate paths. And as far as I know, the closest thing you have to sort of a free space to move around in is your town, which is fairly small. So it's a very closed off game. Which does not match how they tried to advertise this game at all. Yeah, didn't at E3, they, didn't which they say E3 that it was is full of bullshit? Yeah. But E uh, three full of bullshit? Nah. Yeah. Uh, but didn't they uh, call it essentially a full Elder Scrolls experience on a mobile device? They did. They did do that. Boy, and it's uh, not either that or they experienced the Elder Scrolls very differently. Or it's one of those things of, like, play it for 20 hours and then it opens up into another game. But I can't imagine putting 20 hours into this game in any serious I think fashion. I would be wishing for the sweet release of death by that point. Um, the, uh, I barely the, put five the, minutes into it after you know, I got to town. Yeah, the, so the combat is very very simplified and distilled down they so i went back and i watched the e3 i don't know presentation on it um and they were showing combat that's currently not or you know not available in the game where they were like swiping across the screen and it was doing sword strikes where they were swiping you could do the tap combat like how it is currently and you sort of tap and hold for a second and there's like a concentric concentric ring that comes in and if you time it just right you get a critical and then you can press yeah which is uh so easy to do when your finger's in the way and also i found it fucking annoying because at least a couple of the different enemy types you have to time the uh, attack before they attack to be able to hit them while they're in range yeah because they would lunge at you and if they're not lunging at you, they're out of range. And you can't freely move around while you're in combat. You're locked into this sort of one-on-one, you know, face-to-face combat. Almost like you're having a conversation with them in Oblivion. Like you're just staring at them. Which is exactly how the Elder Scrolls uh, handles combat. 
Um, did you get any abilities or magic spells? Uh, yeah, and, uh, it was terrible. Yeah, I mean, that changes it up a little bit, because you now have additional things you can do, but you basically cycle through either one active spell at a time, and one active ability at a time, which abilities are just like the special attacks you can pull off in the Elder Scrolls once you've leveled up a weapon skill a little bit, and then, you know... You could do the power attack, or you could uh, go left or right when you attack to do like a side swipe or something like that. Or the that. Ranger like, Palms to wipe. Oh, wait, uh, that's a better game. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that's that's what they do. And those are, as far as I can tell, guaranteed hits. Um, they might could block something. I haven't seen an enemy that's done that. So, as, I mean, as far as I can tell, using a spell or an ability is a guaranteed hit. But they have a cool time, a cooldown time. Plus, you have a mana bar. Or stamina. Or, and, and a stamina bar that goes down during combat and doesn't regenerate during combat. Yeah, which is But it doesn't idiotic. after combat. So, I mean, my combat strategy is basically just, like, tap the screen as fast as I can to just keep attacking. Because you can get enemies stun-locked, and then they can't fight back. So only the, the enemies that sort of have an animation during their attack that like dodges them in and out on you and you just keep sitting there attacking and stun lock an enemy oh it's a clicker see i have i have a far superior combat strategy uninstall <laughs> you win every encounter that way then there's the city building aspect which okay sure whatever it's a mobile you city collect- builder yeah, you collect resources on your various quests, and then there are resources that you can collect over time once you get a little bit farther and have buildings that do stuff. And you rebuild the town that you're in, and you know you rebuild the shops, and you can buy and sell weapons and armor in town and potions and um, things like that. You can. Do you think they got? You do, that? do you think they got the Elder Scrolls confused with the latest Fallout? Probably. Then you. Uh, there are NPCs that show up in your town as you build buildings and upgrade stuff, and they can give you quests, and you can have some very basic interactions with them, but there's no spoken dialogue that I found other than the initial opening cutscene thing. So, you know, it's just text that you read on screen, which isn't, like, terrible, but it's, you know, it's on a mobile oh, device, come on. So it's all small. That's not the Elder Scrolls experience. Where's the terrible voice acting? The same uh, <laughs> damn voice actor uh, uh, voicing 20 different characters. Going back to the days of Morrowind, where you just had to read everything. Yeah, but... I wonder if they yeah, got but, that. They'll be like, oh, it'll be just like Morrowind. Yeah, but Morrowind had an interesting story and actually good characters. Yeah, I still don't really know what the story is. Like, the town's been attacked. Uh, by some sort of blood destroyed. queen. Yeah. And then you're someone that used to live in the town, and... You're being tasked with rebuilding it. Uh, did you just you escape refused, from prison or something? Because, yeah, you were in prison. Um, but even think- if you refuse to do the stuff that they tell you to do, you still have to do it anyways. It's stupid. Oh, so de- you'd be uh, like, I don't want to do that. Uh, uh, so definitely the Fallout Four uh, method. Yeah, you'd be like, I'm not gonna do that. Like, you can even say, like, I yeah, I'm not doing that. I'll do it if you come with me. And the guy's like, oh, I'm not going to come with you. I'm old I'll, and frail. I'll be killed. 
and then you'll meanwhile the it's old uh, it's old buff guys standing there right because they can't bother with different character models yeah but no and then like the conversation just ends and then you get the objective go to the dungeon and do whatever and it's like but i just said i wasn't gonna do it but you have to if you want to advance the game so i don't know why it even gives you the choice so oh and and there's chests of course whenever you find stuff in a dungeon you get a chest yeah one some of, of them the, have yeah I, sorry I, one of the articles i saw about uh elder scrolls blades uh, uh they within a couple hours racked up something like two or three weeks worth of chests uh, uh timers yeah mine wasn't that bad but i did get uh several days worth of timers after a couple of hours of playtime. And I was like, okay, well, that's something. I guess I should buy those unlocks if I want to get stuff. Because, of course, the microtransaction shop, air quotes, microtransaction shop, is fully functional and furnished. Of course. I mean, if it had just, again, if they had just done a single-player Elder Scrolls game... But on mobile, and you you know paid some money for it, like ten bucks, that would have been fine. This would be you know pretty acceptable at that level. Wouldn't expect too much out of it. The content that's there seems about right for a mobile game. Um, what terrible? You know, put a little more emphasis. Put a little more emphasis on the story as opposed to the microtransaction shop. But you know whatever. It's a mobile game. You get a lot of you get a pass on a lot of stuff with being an Elder Scrolls mobile game, but it's it's fairly boring. It's bad by any Elder Scrolls standard, but it's good enough as far as mobile games go to bump it above a lot of mobile games that I play or have played. It's just like sits in this very weird place. Like I said when we first started talking, where the next time I'm on a plane, I'll probably play it unless you have to be connected. To play it, in which uh, of course you'll have to be. It. I mean, it has chess time. I haven't tried that yet. I haven't tried that yet. I installed it. Hey, but look at it this way. There's one benefit about this. What? As of now, Skyrim is no longer my least favorite Elder Scrolls game, and it's no longer the worst. That. Yep, that's something. <laughs> Go Elder Scrolls Blades, I guess. Yeah, it's not that great. I, I'll probably play it some more, like once controller supports in, just to see if that makes it more bearable to play. And then again, you know, maybe in those situations it would be a good time. But in general, yeah, I'm not gonna. Honestly, with how the game is right now, I think it'd be more fun uh, smashing my thumb with a ball peen hammer. That hurts. I've done that before. Hey, but at least I'd be awake. You would be awake. You would be. Well, definitely a mobile game that I'm moving from a mobile game that I'm not going to play much more to a game. I need to swap this around on the list to a mobile game that I will play more because I'm going to go ahead and do both of my mobile games before I do my other one. Uh, is uh, I've also been playing Star Trek Fleet Command. Yeah, I've seen this um, pop I, up a couple times on the uh, Play Store, but I hadn't uh, messed with it. Because I wasn't sure if this was the one I played before or not. 
I don't think it is, though, uh, looking at it a little bit closer. The one you played before is probably Star Trek Timelines. Yeah, which honestly was kind of shit. Yeah, I didn't like Timelines. To be fair, a lot of Star Trek games are kind of shit. This is a more uh, Clash of Clans type of, like, you build up a base and collect resources and have an alliance you join type of game. But it's got two things going for it that I really like that has kept me coming back to it quite a bit this weekend in particular when I wasn't able to play as many PC games as I normally do. Um, It's Star Trek, and it is set in the Star Trek reboot universe, so that's a little bit of a downside. Oh, the bad one. (laughs) But in general, I really do like Star Trek. And I do like the new, the newer Star Trek stuff as well. Not as good as the older stuff. But I don't think that it's bad. It's just not classic Star Trek. It's more Well, I for one blame focused. Paramount. Okay. Well, no, actually for a good reason. Because that's the reason why we haven't seen anything past Voyager on the timeline. Well, minus uh, the reboot... Uh, uh, yeah, uh, showing Spock going back in time is that there's a definitive cutoff point at the end of Voyager. And also they own uh, the rights to a lot of the ship uh, elements. So that's or, or the uniform elements. So that's why whenever you look at uh, Star Trek Discovery, it's like, boy, this seems like a knockoff Star Trek uh, uniform. That's because it has to be. Gotcha. Interesting. I didn't didn't realize that. Um, uh, well, hey, I told you something you didn't know. You did. You told me something I didn't know. The other thing that this game has going for it is that those, typically these, you know, Clash of Clans, whatever type, more sort of management, cow clicker type of games, you can only play it so much during, you know, for, for a time period. And then basically you've done everything that you can. You're waiting on your build queue. You've expended all of your energy to do missions or attack other players or whatever. But this has a huge single player air quotes single player component to it and there's no you know energy bars or anything like that to how much that you can play if you want to just sit around and play it so you have fleets of well fleets you have a fleet of ships that you're able to build up as you progress through the game and you just start with a single ship and then as you get more space docks on your space station and upgrades and things you can have it looks like up to a total of six ships it, I don't know if there's anything that lets you get more or maybe combine multiple ships into fleets or something like that because they keep talking about fleet battles and I'm like I've only done one-on-one ship combat whenever that comes up but anyways I mean there's a huge galaxy to go to like you can you got is like it a far local, far away it is it's far far away you've got your your local map and then there's like a cluster and then you can expand to see the entire galaxy map and there's hundreds of star systems that you can go to. And each of the star systems is going to have at least one planet or one space station in it that gives out missions. And they sort of fall into the general, a lot of them fall into general mission types. Go and research an anomaly at this place. Go and track down an away team that was lost. Go and aid or assist a ship or a space station. Go and blow up pirates, things like that. There's a bunch of those types of missions, but there are several storyline missions that line up for the several of the major factions. So there's the Federation, the Klingons, and the Romulans. 
and you can do faction missions for them to gain rep and eventually ally with a particular faction, which gives you access to their highest level tech. Um, so, you know, like the top Federation starship, for example, you can get is the Enterprise or the, uh, not the Enterprise, the Constitution class cruiser, which is what the USS Enterprise is. That's like the, the top level ship you can get for them. Um, I think it's called the USS Enterprise in game because I would say more people know Enterprise versus Constitution class cruiser, but you know, whatever. That's, that's what it is. But, uh, you know, so you get that and you can get things like a Klingon Warbird and the Bird of Prey if you level up the Klingons. And I'm not as familiar with the Romulan ships, but, you know, that's, you engage in those faction missions to get those specific ship types and, you know, rank up your rank with them. And it looks like eventually it locks you in with to a specific faction. Um, yeah. And there are areas of space that are controlled by those factions and they're dangerous to you if you're not part of that faction. I'm kind of neutral to everybody right now, so I can wander around wherever, but I'm a very low level and there don't seem to be sort of areas of space that's like, ah, oh, this is the low level player's area and this is the mid-level like, there's scattered high and low-level star systems all over the place. So you can sort of generally wander around freely and explore. Your ship has a minimum or, like, a maximum range that they can jump at one time or, you know, warp, go into warp space for at a time. Um, but, I mean, once you get to a destination system, if you want to keep going, that limit is reset. Um, and it, the, it increases as your ship rank goes up and you get higher level ships and so but i mean there's there's no time limit on that basically you can play for as long as you want um the only thing that sort of limits you is like if your ship gets destroyed or too badly damaged there's a uh it has to be taken back to the star base and repaired and there's sort of a cooldown on that but um once you get multiple ships that becomes much less of an issue because you've got at least two that you can control around all the time and you get a second ship fairly quickly i'm working on my third ship right now and i've played it for a total of maybe three hours combined um it does have lots of other mobile foibles too i'm talking about it more like it's a full game but this is i mean very much a mobile game all of the officers that you have which are how you give your ship sort of special abilities and stat boosts and things like that come in card packs and they get leveled up by getting you know multiples of the same card of the same oh gotcha the same yeah that that gotcha mechanic um i haven't encountered any pvp yet i don't know if it's because i'm too low of a level or if i just haven't ran into anybody who wanted to attack me yet there are lots of people who play this game so I, I'm thinking it's the former and not the latter. I know there's PvP and that your base can be attacked and your ship can be attacked, but it didn't say, like, you have X amount of days of protection from players attacking you. Like, there was nothing that told me that. So I don't know why I haven't been in, in combat yet. I joined an alliance, like, immediately. I just picked, like, a North American alliance. And the people in there have been generally nice and helpful. It's kind of a crapshoot what you get in these games. So I can't say if that speaks to the overall player base or if I just got lucky with a, a good alliance. But I was like, hey, you know, just looking for someone to help me figure out how to play the game. And do I have to spend bunches of money or do do you have to grind or can you grind? And 
you know, just like a lot of these mobile games, at some point it does become pretty grindy if you don't want to spend money. I'm not really there yet, and I don't know if I'll actually play it long enough to hit that sort of progression wall. But, I mean, I'm enjoying my time with it as far as mobile games go. If you like Star Trek and you want something on your phone that you can play for more than a few minutes at a time, I mean, this is certainly a game to look at. I've enjoyed it. I'm going to keep playing it for at least for the time being. Yeah, remind me later to share with you a couple of YouTube channels of uh, Star Trek uh, ship breakdowns, as in actual technical stuff about the different starships. Yeah, I've got one that I watch that does that. Space Doc. I mean, uh, he does other ships other than Star Trek ships, but... I think there's that one, and there's like one or two more that's popped up on my YouTube recently because of him. Like, uh, talking about how Worf uh, didn't have to almost go on a suicide run because, hey, the Defiant can launch its deflector uh, dish as a giant-ass missile. Yeah. But then again, you know, it, he is a Klingon, so... Today is a good day to die. Prepare for ramming speed. Yeah, Defiant, the Defiant wouldn't have done anything against a, a Borg cube. At least with that ramming attitude. It. Um, so yeah, then finally the last game that I played this week, uh, an actual PC game, is uh, called War Theater. War Theater is what I would call a steampunk, a, a toxic steampunk um, themed spiritual successor to Advanced Wars. Okay, it, well, that's a thing. It looks um, and plays, well, looks as in like the style of it, not the actual looks, but just sort of the general look and feel of the game uh, is pretty much a copy of Advance Wars. The maps, the way the units will look on the overworld map, the game mechanics, for the most part. There's a couple things I'll talk about here in a second that are different. But um, the whenever you combat or do combat, the way that it looks with the two sort of opposing sides shooting each other, the way that works and looks, just a copy of Advance Wars. And then it plays out the same with the the grid on the map and everything, which I am not complaining. I loved Advance Wars. It was one of the first uh, Game Boy Advance games I ever had. And I'm not sure how many Advance Wars games there are. I'm aware of three for sure. But anyways, that's an excellent strategy game that always had a very deep story to it and uh, some very interesting characters that uh, this game also seems to have taken, uh, you know, taken inspiration from. I haven't played it a ton. I've only got to play it for a little over an hour, which normally I don't talk about a game if I played it for that much time, unless it's just like this game is terrible, stay away from it. But I'm pretty confident after playing it for an hour that unless it takes like a massive left turn, which I would report on later on down the road, I'm pretty confident in what this game is going to be. And it's, I'm not sure if the world is like a post-apocalyptic, but I say toxic because everything looks very gross and grody and polluted well that rat does uh, have a resemblance to britney spears (laughs) yeah that's the rat queen or the the rat mother uh that's the first character that you get in campaign mode um so but yeah the look and feel of the game is very sort of gross and grody but 
in a way that's kind of charming. It's hard to explain, but it's just the way that the characters seem to talk and interact with one another. 90s to cartoons. portraying the story to you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, exactly, actually. Um, and you said it was hard to explain. Well, I just didn't think of that. But, anyways, uh, so the, the main difference in how the game plays is that instead of having... Um, the leader confers some sort of bonus to your military that you have a leaders or hero units that are on the field with you and each of them has special abilities and different uh, unique things in combat so the rat mother for example is classed as an infantry unit so they gets the same overall general bonuses and weaknesses as other infantry but the attack that she has is she calls in like a minion army of baby rats that have like these little poison toxin injectors that like swarm enemies. And it's basically, she's basically a one hit kill to any infantry and does massive damage to any other ground units. But because she doesn't shoot, she can't actually engage air units. And then each of the heroes have special abilities. So the Rat Mother, she has two. And I, I think all of the leaders have two. One that costs two action points and one that costs four action points. And the first one is like a little smog. Crippling it's smog. Crippling smog. Yeah. Well, and it covers an... I was about to say, I'm looking at it here on the screenshots. Okay. Yeah, it covers a small area on the field that slows any enemy units that walk through it for, uh, I think it's two turns. And then Poison Gas, which goes out in a huge radius around uh, the Rat Mother. And it's a damage over time to every unit that's caught in the poison field. And I'm not sure how many turns it lasts for. I've only used it once. Um, But it does 15% damage every turn to every unit who's caught in it. So, and, and each hero has different abilities. There's one that their abilities are healing based uh, there's one that has got like extra ranged attacks, like their attacks have double the range of anything else. Um, there's one that buffs allied units. So that's the main difference in combat. You're able to do a lot more uh, with specific hero unit. There's some other minor differences as well. Um all of the units have extended ranges they can attack for. So in Advanced Wars, if you've ever played that before, most of the units can only attack adjacent tiles. There's a couple of units that can attack two tiles out, and then the artillery units can't attack right next to them, but they have a range of like three or something like that. Um, but every unit has at least a range of two, and there are some units that have much greater ranges up to like five or six tiles away, but they can't attack maybe two or three tiles right next to them so you kind of have to learn the ranges a little bit um but it's it's a very fun game i like it a lot i'm definitely going to be playing it a lot more i've got a couple of small issues with it uh the game does play with a mouse but it's weird with a mouse so if you use just the keyboard or a controller that's where the game makes the most sense because you know, you can see that it's scrolling through things and you get like a path when you're trying to figure out where you want your troops to go and you can see where they're going to go through or direct them through certain spaces. If you're just using the mouse to click on things, you don't get any feedback. So if you just click to move, the units will move and they'll just go in the most direct path for it. 
you don't get any confirmation for what it is that you're hovering over and you don't get tool tips. So I don't like, it doesn't feel like this game has been designed for mobile. I just think that whoever made this game played too many mobile games. I either played. Yeah. Maybe they played advanced wars too much and they didn't think about using the mouse to control the game. They were just like, Oh, everybody who plays this will use a controller or the keyboard. Um, I mean, it, it works, but it feels weird. And then the other thing is that you can't save in the middle of a mission. So I discovered this by accident the first time because I was playing it at work and I needed to close the game and get ready for a client. I was like, oh, I'll just save. Well, it didn't say. Like, there's no save option. And I was like, maybe if I go to back out, it'll auto save it. And it does say, like, whenever you go to leave, it's like you're, you know, you're exiting from campaign mode your game will be saved and so you can return to it later but that just means that if you don't close the game you can come back and resume where you were you can swap sort of like on the fly between different multiplayer matches so that you can play kind of asynchronously and you can go back and forth between single player and multiplayer at the same time and it's got sort of like i guess save states for that but as soon as you close the game and come back, anything that you had going on is not saved. So you have to restart a mission over. So you have to complete it in one sitting or at least not close the game and come back to it. And that's really frustrating. I mean, that seems like super basic functionality to add. Um, The first few missions only take about 15 to 20 minutes to play through. So that's not a horrible time commitment, but... I imagine if this follows the advanced worst style of story progression, you will get some very long missions towards the end that have sort of multiple parts to them or multiple armies and characters included in one go. And some of those could take hours to complete um, as they sort of piled onto one another. But the way it was done, they were like one big mission. And that would be extremely frustrating to not be able to save and quit out of and come back to later. So I'm actually going to contact the dev about this because I got an early, you know, I got early access to this game. It doesn't release until, when does it release? Oh no, you actually, you can buy it right now. Okay. I think it just went up then because when I got the key a few days ago, it was not available on the store. I don't think. Nope. It released March. Okay. It released March 16th. Maybe I'm confusing it with another game. But still, it so it's not been out for very long. I'm going to contact the developer if I can and ask them about that functionality because it definitely needs you definitely need to be able to save in the middle of a mission and come back to it. But other than those two little things, sort of wonky mouse controls and then inability to save, I don't really have anything bad to say about the game. It runs like a charm. It didn't even have my laptop fan working overtime to keep cool. It was a an easy 60. Um, there, there's really no graphics options. You can do full screen on or off and you can turn off V turn on or off V sync and that's it. But there's really no need to, I don't want to say that the game is using sprites. I think that's the wrong way to say it, but I mean, there's very little going on under the hood. The game is tiny. It's only a couple hundred megabytes and it barely uses any, any, anything, any processor Ram, anything to run very minimal footprint so could run on a potato and does and does 
So yeah, very fun game. It's only 10 bucks. I think if you have played Advance Wars before and you like the the Advance Wars style of game, this is a uh, a really good sort of spiritual successor. So as long as the actual sort of theming of it doesn't gross you out or make you feel weird. Basically, uh, if you can watch def- Invader Sim. Yeah, if you can watch Invader Sim and you like that, then you'll like this. Recommend. Hashtag Doom. Oh, hashtag Big Yawn. Oh. Also, hashtag Drink Water. Hashtag Cobra Hydrate. <laughs> oh, that was hilarious. I don't want to hydrate. I want to carbohydrate. Me too. But that would kill me. Literally. But, anyways, uh, with that out of the way, do we need to take a quick break? Or uh, I think I'm okay unless you need to. No, I'm good. I'm a little hot in here, but I'm not going to turn on the air conditioner. So, speaking of killing things. in Indeed? Question mark? Fallout 76 well, how can is getting kill repair kits. It's dead, though. Ah, touche. We beat that dead horse. Um, and fans say that they are paid to win. So Bethesda just couldn't take Anthem sort of dominating the, the <laughs> shitty news cycle for the last few weeks. And they were like, hey, let's do something stupid. That, that stupid. So there's sort of two parts to this in my mind. The first part is that Fallout 76 or Bethesda had said something along the lines of we're not going to sell anything except cosmetics yeah. in the item shop. Yeah, and which, this is something that's the, not cosmetic. Yeah, they broke the uh, promise before, so yeah, why not, right? Yeah, and then the second part of this is, is it pay to win? Because uh, the well, Jimquisition yeah. this week had an interesting well, sort of I didn't watch this. the Jimquisition. I, I did see it pop up, but I didn't get a chance to watch it just because I was... I, I just wasn't feeling good yesterday. It was just woke up feeling blah. Uh, not not right. you blah, just me blah, you know? Right. Uh, I got you. Uh, so I'm not sure how he uh, takes it, but honestly, okay. I think it really depends on the genre, uh, uh, where the line is drawn for pay to win. And for a survival game where the emphasis is going out, collecting materials, and every time you go out, you're taking a risk. The fact that you could bypass that core game loop with a swipe of the credit card makes us pay to win. It's not a huge pay to win like the previous one that they did with the costumes that added just an absurd amount of health if you had an entire squad filled up with them. But technically... Yes, this is pay to win because it is breaking the core gameplay loop and granting power to someone that uh, otherwise wouldn't have it. So what he said, and I thought that was interesting, I have tossed this around in my head a little bit. I'm not sure exactly how I feel about it, but what he was saying essentially boils down to, you know, these companies have spent so long screaming, no, it's just cosmetic, it's just cosmetic, don't worry about it, it doesn't affect anything in the game. 
that regardless of whether or not you consider it pay to win or buying power or whatever, it is something that affects the game, the balance of the game in a tangible way and that they might have pushed the narrative so far that anything that's not cosmetic only at this point is considered, you know, pay to win, buying power by the general audience because they've heard the narrative so much. Oh no, it's just cosmetic. It doesn't do anything. It doesn't affect gameplay balance or anything. It's purely cosmetic. Which I I think I don't think that it's necessarily pay to win, but I do consider it buying power. Well, because well, that's you the thing, are is that, bypassing. Uh, that's the thing is that you're kind of splitting hairs on uh, pay to win versus buying power because uh, pay to win is a isn't just a you know. Uh, it isn't the Staples easy button. It isn't, you know, just a press it, I win button. It's more of a pay for advantage. And that's what this is. It, it, very rarely you encounter a full on pay to win. You know, you, uh, you swipe your credit card and you have no chance of losing. It's very rare to see that outside of some of the more shitty mobile games. So yeah. it's more semantics than anything. In my mind, pay for advantage and pay to win have basically become the same thing just because of that entire gray area. And like you said, you know, where they have pushed the narrative, you know, pay to win is the polar opposite of cosmetic only now. So that is yeah. a very good point. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, I, I think it is, you're right, a bit splitting hairs, a bit semantics. I'm definitely not here to argue that you're wrong. Um, That's probably one of those things that comes down to more like, how do you as a person feel about whether or not you want to spend your money on it or how it affects you? Like one of those deals. No, sir, I don't like it. It's definitely across the line, right? It's definitely in that territory. And then it just comes down to like, how much are you as an individual willing to split hairs? Especially whenever a large part of their marketing campaign at E3 was talking about how it was going to be cosmetic only, their in-game item shop, and that you couldn't buy power. That it was cosmetic only, uh, and it would be funding the development of future releases. Well... (laughs) Uh, uh, future contact patches, which uh, that's become, uh, yeah, they haven't done that much, have they? No, I don't think so. I think there's like a bunch of stuff that's pl- air quotes pl- on the roadmap, but I don't think there's been much released other than some a, f- so a few bug fixes, but a few bug add back ends, and then a couple <laughs> of couple of stuff from content. But mostly it's like skins and things like that. You know, stuff for the item or for the, air quotes, microtransaction store. Yeah, and that's the other thing is that, okay, okay, they talked about having this for certain feats, uh, achievements, or whatever you want to call it, and then for high-end raid content. So, this is a raid item that they're selling? And an achievement item? So... So there, it's being. I don't. I don't know how much of this you've read or covered, but there's basically two different types of repair kits. There's a, air quotes, basic repair kit, which will take any like your item. Yeah, gear, maybe I'm whatever. maybe I'm confusing the two because there there is the ultra max uh, repair kit that uh, uh, that takes it above a hundred percent. Yeah. So the the basic repair kit just takes your whatever's to a hundred percent. 
from whatever state it's in up to 100%. And you can, those are the ones that you can buy with money. Uh, and then there's the improved repair kits, which they've said they're just going to be reward items for quests, achievements, things like that. For and now. The improved kits will take gear to, I think it's 150%. Yeah. So it lasts longer and then it gets a stat boost while it's above 100%. Yeah, which, but yeah, the, uh, which, the for yeah, now, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've realized the slippery slope fallacy, but Bethesda has shown that they cannot be trusted. So, yeah. I think for now is a very apt phrase at this point for Bethesda, don't you? Yeah, I think it is. I think you're right. So, yeah, I mean, I just. On the one hand, I just, like, am shaking my head, like, really? But on the other hand, I'm like, oh, of course they did. Of course they're doing this. And, of course, they're saying it's, like, no big deal and everything. And, you know, every, you know, all of the swirl of everything. Yeah, modern game development, just, right? <laughs> I'm just going to keep playing my indie games. So far, Battletech's not hurt me. Yet. Although Battletech's more of a double A, not an indie. But, I mean, I play mostly... Mostly indie games. Yeah, I got my Warframe. It's basically just, uh, I feel like uh, playing something right now, but not really want to think about it too much. I'll fire up Warframe for half an hour. Yep. I see on that all the time while I'm at work. It's also, you know, something I can play while I'm half asleep. (laughs) I just, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, get the juices uh, flowing, you know? Oh, yeah, get those juices flowing. Oh, my. But, yeah, I mean, I don't... This is shitty, and I don't like it, but... But it's not exactly surprising, is it? Yeah, it's not surprising. And I don't... I don't really know what else to say about it. That pretty much describes the whole thing and everyone's feelings on it, so... Well, unless you're a diehard Fallout 76 player, because there are, of of course, people defending it. (laughs) Because, of course, there is, right? There are, of course, a dozen of them... (laughs) The entire player base of Fallout 76. I'll be shocked if Fallout 76 doesn't go free to play by the end of the year. Me too. I did say at one point I'll play it if it goes free to play, but at this point, probably not, just because I can't be bothered to do so. Uh, Well, here's the thing is that it doesn't take that long for me to download it, and I do have a Bethesda account. So... Yeah. I... I'll probably load it up just to take a look around and then be disgusted by it and turn and uh, install it. But yeah, nice. it's just, it's, it's a, it's such a shame because Fallout 76 feels like such a wasted potential. If it was, yeah. if they didn't focus so much on the survival element, which finally enough, don't they have an entry on their roadmap talking about survival game mode? <laughs> what was it before then? I think so, and it was going to, like, a a hardcore survival or something, which is in the other games that, like, you have to actually eat food and drink drinks and sleep. Well, if there's not a poop meter, I'm not interested. (laughs) Then you can shit in your shitty game. Uh, but... But, um... Yeah, Fallout 76 is just... it, It feels so squandered that... I'm not sure if there's anything they could do to redeem it at this point, just because, for one, it's Bethesda, and it's the 
they have gone more and more towards the lowest common denominator. And when they started development two or three years ago, Rust was the big thing. Oh, no. I just had a thought. I I had a thought, and I'm going to have to share this now. Okay. They're going to do a spinoff on the next Elder Scrolls game that's going to be a Battle Royale. That would be very far down the line. Well, I didn't say that they were chasing modern trends. They wouldn't be timely on their trend chasing. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. Very true. Or maybe Starfield has a Battle Royale uh, uh, sub mode. <laughs> Man, I want Starfield to be good. I don't expect it to be, but I want it to be. Oh, I, I, I'll be uh, pre- pleasantly surprised at this point if Starfield is decent. Not good, decent because of just how far Bethesda feels like they've gone off the tracks they've been chasing uh, industry trends for so long that they've forgotten what made the Elder Scrolls a good series to begin with you know, the deep lore, the interesting locales the interesting gameplay the interesting quests instead they just you know, say, oh, the modders could do that. And release essentially a toolkit. Yeah. Or an extremely bland mobile game. I think I figured why it out. Why not both? Oh, no, that's why Elder Scrolls Blade is so terrible. They're expecting the modders <laughs> to fix it. They they didn't get the memo. <laughs> so are we done ragging on this? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, moving yeah, on. Uh, big shocks. Uh, Fallout seventy six still sucks, and Bethesda doing even shittier things. Speaking of shittier things, a real life U.S. politician is banned from Eve Online for alleged corruption. That is corruption inside of Eve Online. Uh, insider trading. <laughs> that is what was what is going on here. Um, so this guy, uh, Bester Krabel. Uh, what's his name? Rick. Yes. Yes. Um, who is an attorney general for, what did it say in here, the state of Indiana or Ohio? Uh, Virginia. He was the. Oh, figures it's Virginia. Uh, with- over to the general election. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, no, I'm sorry, I have to share this. Uh, did you see the SNL, uh, skit where they were talking about, uh, Okay, has anybody uh, in state government not dressed up in blackface for Virginia? Do what? Yeah, there was a big scandal a month or two ago where the governor uh, uh, was dressed up in blackface. Or, or, or he couldn't remember if he was in blackface or if he was the one dressed up as the Klansman. <laughs> And then he recanted it. Huh. And then someone else high up in government said uh, that they dressed up as Michael Jackson in, in blackface uh, in the 80s. You know, back when Michael Jackson was still black. Right. So SNL okay. made a skit joking about it. Uh, they had a press or, well, not a press conference, but a meeting. And uh, Keenan, uh, the, one of the black uh, members of uh, the of the S- or the current SNL cast 
was uh, talking about how dressing up in blackface is bad <laughs> uh, to the assembled Virginia government. <laughs> okay. And the, and they were talking, and they said, okay, now has anybody dressed up in blackface? And everybody raised their hand. <laughs> nice. So, yeah, of course it's a Virginia government. So, anyways, this guy was a member of the uh, player advocacy group. Um, the, known as the Council of Stellar Management, and uh, they have to sign NDAs as to be a part of this group, and you have to be elected to it. And he had connected his Eve persona or his Eve character to his real life political career, and he used that as a way to sort of campaign, be like, you know, essentially, I'll use my experience as a real life political figure to lead. To- or be a member of this group with integrity and experience <laughs> and blah, blah, blah. And then he used all the information he was able to get as a part of that to uh, basically do insider trading within the game and make more money that way. Okay, uh, Brasher uh, and- uh, Rebel is his player name, by the way. It's Brian Shugarian is his real name. Yeah. Sorry. I- um. Yeah, no, you're fine. Um. So, anyways, uh, other members in the CSM brought their concerns to CCP, which the developers of EVE Online, and supposedly they investigated and found evidence that he had been doing this, and so they banned, permanently banned all of his accounts and kicked (laughs) him off of the council. And he says he's suffering fallback from it in his real-world political career, and he's denying that it ever happened, and he's saying he was, you know wrongfully accused and set up and all this other stuff. Well, here's the thing is that whatever you lie in real life, you know, you can just claim f- uh, fake news. When you lie in a computer game, there's chat logs. Mm-hmm. And evidence that can easily be found by someone who's not trying to protect you. And CCP gives no shits about you. Yep. They don't care. Matter of fact, the I, fact that he got banned is probably good publicity for him. You know, uh, holding the player council accountable. Yeah. Plus, it's it's good funny point. as hell. <laughs> it is. It is. I had a good chuckle about this. Yeah, yeah, you so. had a good tee-hee there for quite a while. Tee-hee. Oh, someone here. The top comment. That's article. So his defense against allegations of corruptions. Is that he's a professional politician? Question mark, question mark. Ha ha. Yeah. Plus, you know, he's talking about having blue back on his political career. Doofus, you linked it to your political career. Yeah. At some point, I'm sure things like playing games will become much more widely widely accepted and, you know, professions like a politician or whatever... And those things being anything, you know, something that's not, you know, corruptible offenses or whatever. But that's still, like, seen as a big no-no by those guys because most politicians are way older. And the fact that he basically got kicked out for cheating. <laughs> uh, yeah, of course uh, there's going to be uh, Not just cheating, but insider trading, which is something that even the old guys can figure out is bad. Yeah. The worst kind of, of cheating. You got You got caught with your hand in the cookie jar. 
the giant spaceship cookie cookie jar. Space station cookie jar. Yeah. But I, I just, I thought this was funny. Oh, I thought it was hilarious. Serves him right. <laughs> Especially after, you know, uh, uh, linking his political career to it so much. Yeah. Makes me kind of want to look at his ballotpedia just to see you know, where his stance is on some on certain financial uh, uh, situations, <laughs> just to have a good laugh, right? I believe he was a Republican, so probably can discern that. Well, I didn't even uh, look fairly at fairly quickly. I think it says in the article. I don't remember. I've already closed it because uh, I mean, that's yeah. pretty much all there is to it. Just a tee, and then move on. So, why well, was he? I wasn't even lo- looking at his, uh, his party. I was more wondering, you know, his dance on certain issues. But oh boy, right? Yeah. So moving swiftly on from a potential political minefield, our final news topic of the night: Nintendo is the ninth most reputable company in the United States. It's the only <laughs> gaming company to the top ten. I'm sorry, I went to his Wikipedia. <laughs> Uh, in Richmond, I will work to reduce the regularity and tax burden on Virginian small business. <laughs> Are you okay? <laughs> Don't die on me over there. I'm sorry, but I'm talking anti-regulation is just hilarious after this. <laughs> yeah. I had to know, right? Yeah. Fair play. Fair play. So, the top 10 companies uh, in the United States by, what was the specific thing that they said? Reputation. Most reputable. Mm-hmm. So, Nintendo was number 9, um, which is pretty good. Yeah. The other, some of the other companies on the top 10 I think are interesting. I mean, just I'll just go down from 1 to 10. Number 1, Netflix. Number 2, Hershey. Number 3, Whirlpool. Four Rolex, which I that one I gave, got a little chuckle when I was reading that too. I mean, it makes sense, but I I don't uh, know how many people who would think of Rolex like, vote in this stuff have a role. Yeah, I would think of Rolex. But uh, number five, McCormick see. and Company. Number six, Barnes and Noble, which you made the joke earlier. You didn't even like they're still around. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, well, uh, well, the one store that they still have is very good. <laughs> Number seven, Hasbro. Number eight, Costco. Nine, Nintendo. And ten, the Lego Group. Which is Let's see. The, Lego. the study by the Reputation Institute, which that's a thing, a data insights technology company and provider of reputation management, a measurement and management services, assessed the reputation of more than 2,200 companies in the U.S. The uh, per, uh, president setting the undertaking... Included over 165,000 individual ratings was conducted in February, oh, sorry, January to February of this year. So, uh, uh, because you're wondering, you know, how they uh, set it up, well, there you go. They uh, tabulated a bunch of reviews. Yeah, 165,000 is pretty decent sample size. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, again, the more. The larger sample size you can get, the better. But 165,000 is pretty good. And I, you know, I think generally I would agree with the overall ratings. 
The only one that really doesn't make any sense to me is Whirlpool. But, I mean, maybe... I mean, I guess it's the perception versus any actual knowledge. Yeah, because uh, because then you wouldn't have Donkey on there. Uh, Donkey was rated pretty highly somewhere else. Uh, Because I was looking at the at the comments on Reddit where I originally found this. And I believe Nike was... Nike was uh, two last year, and they dropped to 60th this year. But still, they're pretty high up. Yeah. I mean, that, that puts it in the top 100, which is... Yeah, let's see. Some other... In the top some, 50. some other uh, notable, uh, uh, less favorable judgments uh, from last year. Google dropped... 63 spots falling out of the U.S. Uh, top 100 uh, for the first time. Amazon reigned as number one from in the study from 2014 to 2017, but didn't make it into the top 50 this year. Nike, number two last year, dropped to 60th. Uh, influenced by the company's politically and socially charged year. Facebook was continued to send it further back and has gone into free fall in Recording one of the lowest reputation scores measured as part of the study. <laughs> Campbell's experienced a setback as last year's number one is no longer in the top ten. So, yeah. Uh, so, it's not how people perceive the company as a whole. I think it's more, you know, how they feel about it. Or, you know, their, not their knowledge of what the company does, but... How they feel about the company, you know, what's their overall rating? Yeah. So that probably is why Whirlpool was there, even though they're kind of, eh. Yeah, the quality of Whirlpool is much lower than it used to be. It is circling the drain? <laughs> I see what you did there. So, our, our, well, technically, only video game thing is uh, Nintendo, which kind of agree with because okay nintendo does some stupid things with their hardware but they don't lie to you no and also nintendo is i mean they're the poster you know poster they have the poster boy they are the poster boy i don't know the best way to say it but they're that for video games and nintendo generally has a pretty wholesome like people think of nintendo as a you know very family oriented very clean very wholesome until they see Bayonetta. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I bet most people wouldn't connect Bayonetta to Nintendo in their minds. True. You know, again, this is very much just about a person's perception of a company. I bet the average person doesn't know Bayonetta is owned or funded by Nintendo. Did Nintendo buy the rights to it, or did they just? Uh, I think they get got the rights to publishing the rights. One. Okay. But, anyways, you know, most people probably don't know that. So, I mean, they think of Mario, Zelda, but they think Link is actually who's Zelda, or think Link is Zelda, <laughs> or Zelda is Link. However you want to look at that. Yeah, it's, uh, whenever you start measuring perception instead of, you know, what the company actually does, some weird things happen. Yeah. Like Rolex, right? <laughs> Yeah. Like, I mean, I do think of Rolex as being, like, super high-quality watches, but I've never used one. 
I've seen one in person, but I've never used one. I've never owned one. I doubt I ever would, even if I had the money for it. Like, Too rich for your blood. But I'm, but I'm just not interested. Actually, in, I wasn't going for know, a pun there, but let's go for it. Status symbols or whatever, and that's what a Rolex feels like to me. Does Rolex make anything other than watches? Uh, well, let's see. Um, find your Rolex. Okay. How many zeros are in your bank account? Total? <laughs> <laughs> it looks like they just do watches still, which I have to admit is kind of weird at this stage, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, watches are more about fashion than functionality at this point. Pretty much everybody has got a phone or smartphone, tablet, computer mm -hmm. around, you know, that they used to tell time on. I used to wear a watch, but I have, I mean, I haven't worn a watch in, God, 10 years, maybe? You know, I used to wear one all the time, but then I got, you know, stopped being a student and was out in the world and didn't have to worry about, I just like pull my phone out anywhere. Nobody gives a shit. I'm not going to get in trouble for having it. So I stopped wearing a watch. Just have my phone. Damn. Uh, the cheapest Rolex. Care to guess? Five grand. Uh, actually, not that expensive. How much is the cheapest Rolex? Twelve hundred. Or sorry, twenty six hundred. I mean, still <laughs> fucking expensive, but not nearly as fucking expensive as I thought. Yeah, I guess that's that perceived value thing. And then it jumps up uh, two thousand dollars to the next one. <laughs> Here's the entry model. Maybe it's just me, but looking at a Rolex, it's just stupidly expensive. For a watch. Yeah. Um, and we're kind of fixing here in Rolex, aren't we? We are. We're way, way off the reservation at this point. I just, I, you know, reading through this article, I thought it was interesting, like Nintendo being at number nine. But, I mean, that makes perfect sense to me for the reason that we, we just said it a minute ago. Like, the perceived value or the perceived the perception of a company of like Nintendo is that they're very wholesome, very family friendly, very consumer friendly. And that would bump it up in a lot of people's minds. I think, I mean, it bumps Nintendo up in my mind when I think of gaming, you know, I mean, I'm, I forever will be a PC gamer, but nothing feels more wholesome to me than Nintendo. And when it comes to consoles, I do want a Nintendo switch very badly and I'm not interested in anything else that any of the other console manufacturers or you know companies are doing. Yeah, I'm trying to find so the full a list. in a Nintendo. Because I... Uh, it looks like you can download the data set for the whole list, but you have to create an account. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you have to pay anything for an account for this. Yeah, I don't think the patrons would enjoy that. <laughs> no. But I mean, so there's... 2200 something companies on there so i'm just wondering what the second video game com company is you know yeah because nintendo okay thinking about it it makes a lot of sense oh, oh hang on hang on i think i found a better list 
Oh well, no, this is uh, okay. this is last year's, I think. Um, or oh, this was released in March. Uh, okay, so this is a uh, last uh, is March's lists, and Microsoft is up there. It, how often do they do this list? Even though you know Microsoft is technically not a video game company, they're yeah a lot more than that. But okay, this is uh the March list question mark. Microsoft is thirty first. So I Forbes has got the top one hundred listed, not just the top ten. Microsoft is at number two with thirty one. Or I mean in thirty first. Okay, on this one Microsoft is sitting at fifth. But I'm not sure when this list is from. They just also call it a twenty nineteen list, so it looks like they compile them once every couple months. But Nintendo is just outside the top 10 on this one at 12th. Uh, let's see. Levi Strauss is at 13th. Google is at 14. <laughs> Where is another video? Looks like Sony is not on the list. Uh, Sony on my list is at number 6 on the older list. There's a lot of companies in here that I wouldn't have thought about, but in uh, retrospect... Uh, FedEx at, at 61? No. <laughs> Not with the driver I get. I don't see another video game company in the top 100. Or, yeah, that I would consider a video game company. Because Sony is a weird thing where it's, yeah, well, they recently announced that they're kind of combining a lot of their branches. Sony, uh, up until recently, is essentially like a tree. Uh, uh, yeah, the main trunk is Sony, and then you know, it has the video game division, the uh, cell phone division, the camera division. They're all different branches of the same company. But it, it doesn't make a lot of sense in the modern uh, 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 technology age because, you know, the cell phone division needs the cameras, right? Well, there are two separate yeah. things and they're developed completely separately. So it's tougher to combine the uh, technology. And so, you know, their cell phone division... Uh, is in trouble because of it, because they don't get the technology from the TV department to, for the screens. They don't get the technology from the camera department. So, yeah, very interesting, you know? Just you know, looking at this, Hanukkah is on here at 66 <laughs> on this list. Yeah, there was... So ne uh, Microsoft was at 31, and then nothing else was on the list, video game related, so... And we don't even know if Microsoft is on there because of Windows or... I would imagine more... You know, uh, their gaming products. I would imagine more Windows. I would, too. But, yeah, that's... Yeah. Uh, essentially just uh, reaffirming that Nintendo is kind of uh, the, the the good uh, the good guys-ish uh, for uh, video games. Or at least the perception of them. Because we really know the dirty, dirty secret of Nintendo. Mario is a home wrecker. He is. Turn to page nine for the full story. <laughs> I mean Bowser just tries to take Peach out on a date, and then Mario shows up and you know ruins the entire thing. Indeed. Um, and then uh he knocks uh uh, in the scuffle, the uh, crown of power uh, leaves uh, Peach's head and lands on Bowser, and then suddenly Mario can't control himself anymore. Neither can I. <laughs> Wink. 
All right. Yeah, I mean, that was just interesting. Yeah. Although I think we had a, a better time talking about Rolex than <laughs> Nintendo. Welcome to the cultured part of the podcast, I guess. Or uncultured. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that, that, that number has too many zeros for me to even consider this watch. Can you knock at least two off? Yeah, I'm on Rolex's website, and this just, like, doesn't connect with me at all. Like, I don't understand. It's like the world of Rolex. Rolex and tennis. Rolex and equestrian. Rolex and golf. Rolex and, like, yachting, mountaineering. Well, golf. Like, other things that you can click on. And it, like, gives you... Okay. Like a full spread of Rolex's history in in this whatever. So yeah, I'm um, just like, man, I'm not interested in any of this at all. Okay, so you played golf. Maybe you could explain this to me. Why okay. is it so important to have a precision timepiece in golf? Outside of rich, snooty mm-hmm. dudes? It's a good question. Most of my time playing golf was spent... Um, you know, standing around talking to people or driving the golf cart like an asshole or trying to get the cart lady to give us beer even though we were underage. That was that was most of my experience golfing, so precision timekeeping was not needed. Also, I'm not sure why you would need a Rolex if you're into motorsport. I guess, though, they're more like the people... Outside, yeah, Jackie Stewart, Mark Webber, all F1 people. Oh, well, now it makes a lot more sense. You know, whenever there's the horrific crash, you know, you can pass the Rolex down to the next of kin. (laughs) No, it goes to the second. Like, the first driver is in an accident, so the Rolex is passed on to the second driver as a rite of passage up to being first now. You are now the lead driver on our team. Wear this well. Is is that blood? How was it not destroyed in the crash and the gigantic ensuing fire? It's a Rolex. It'll survive anything. Only thing that survives more is the original Game Boy. There, I brought it around back to gaming. <laughs> and Nintendo specifically. Good job. So before we get lost in the weeds again, let's head on over to our community corner which again is this week going to be just another game night spotlight i believe we didn't have anything did we no well we did get one article like well, last well actually we are up to two now Discord. because jim just linked something about video game lighting but i haven't had a chance to look at it yet ah well then those could be potential topics for next week once we've had a chance to research them a little bit but uh keep the keep keep them coming guys keep them coming Love getting stuff from you guys, either in email or on Discord or in tweets. Yeah, which uh, Twitter was kind of dead again. I'm pretty sure the uh, uh, that uh, Twitter account's still active. Yeah, it is. It is. But yeah, that's okay. I mean, I'm okay if we don't get much engagement on Twitter when we get in our Discord and uh, and whatnot, or in, you know, in person when we have game night, which we did on Monday night. Played Flashpoint. Yeah, maybe we should have talked about. Maybe we should have talked about that on the games we played because that was that yeah. was fun. Flashpoint was really fun. I mean, Flashpoint is a board game that we play through Tabletop Simulator, but I mean, I'd like to play it again now that sort of all of us 
have had a refresher course because Ghost had to sort of reteach us all how to play. Yeah, I have to admit that was uh, had a refresher that, course we could play. That again. took until about halfway through the game for me to really kind of perk up because, uh, yeah, the going through all the rules and all the setup was rather boring. Yeah, that's okay. Though. And also, I was kind of tired. We rolled for lots of explosions. We just barely won. We had we had like one piece of. So, I mean, just in general, listener, if you've never played this before, uh, what Flashpoint is is that you're a group of firefighters working together to uh, rescue people from a burning building. And you have these sort of damage tokens that are applied as the fire rages on throughout the game and destroys more and more walls. And when all the damage tokens are used up, the house collapses and you lose. And we had one token for, like, our last three rescues in order to win – and we somehow managed to finally get that stupid kitchen fire under control <laughs> and rescue people. And not only did we rescue enough to win, but we went ahead and cleared all of the potential survivors. And we rescued like 10 people instead of seven. And you only need seven to win. That was very satisfying. Yeah, especially right there at the end where you know, we were both uh, strategizing. Okay, how can we do this in as few moves as possible? How can we get this person out in one turn? Can we do it? One turn, well, one round for each of us. To minimize our chances of explosion. But it's a lot of fun. We'll definitely be playing it again. And now all of us can kind of work together to teach any new player a lot faster. Yeah, I'm also, uh, well, I brought up a list of the top 20 cooperative board games. Because I kind of like the cooperative side of things. I do too. I typically prefer cooperative board games to competitive ones just because there's less, you know, someone, people, people getting upset and people having to sit out and wait, which I mean, in our group, for the most part, people don't seem to get upset and take it out on one another in the middle of the game, except Kyle. We take out everything on Kyle. Well, to be Um, fair, it's usually his fault. Yeah, he deserves it. But there does often, like when we did King of Tokyo... Within the first 10 minutes of the game, there were two people knocked out, and then they had to sit there for, like, 40 minutes. So, with cooperative games, that typically doesn't happen. But we should we should focus in on some more cooperative games, be it board game or otherwise. Learn how to play some of those. I know of a couple that I could teach. Oh, uh, well, I'm looking at, play. like, the top five of this. Uh, Robinson Crusoe, Ghost Stories... Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective. Never heard of that one. That's from 1981. Uh, Pandemic. Uh, Aeon's End. Too Many Bones. Legends of Anor. Dead of Winter. Does that count as a cooperative? <laughs> Dead of Winter can... I mean, yeah, sort of. You do have the one person, or potentially the one person who is got a selfish goal that they're trying to wreck the camp, but otherwise everyone wants to survive the the zombie onslaught. One that looks interesting on here is five minute dungeons. Takes just a few minutes to learn, but there's a ton of replay value in the box. According to this, everybody gets their own deck based on the characters they're playing. And then in real time, everybody plays cards to take down some enemies. The final boss's dungeon gets tougher and tougher which makes it intense and a rewarding experience. A rewarding experience. So, may want to check that out. It's one of the top uh, real-time uh, board games on this uh, website. Yeah, I'd be game to check that out. 
So likely more board games coming up. Yeah, although I, I did a bad and forgot to figure out what we were going to be playing next week. So at the time of recording, I don't know. Uh, stay tuned to Discord to find out because I'll be asking over by everybody over the next few days and make sure to post something up over the weekend whenever we get something sorted out. But uh, otherwise, that's it for Community Corner, aside from you, Rage, telling them where they can find us. Oh, well, I was looking at uh, the Sherlock Holmes games, and that looks interesting. It has 10 different cases. Uh, but if you wish to contact us, you could do so by emailing us vglpodcast at gmail.com, tweeting us vglpodcast on the Twitter, because that's where you tweet, or you could hop on Discord. You find the link to that ever on our Podbean account, vglpodcast.podbean.com. There's a link to our Discord on that lovely, lovely site. Sweet. So, do you want to do a doobly do discovery? Of course. We do, we do. Sweet. And I get one instantly. <laughs> you usually do. What you got? Uh, you know, a game that you probably haven't heard of: Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney Trilogy. Nope, never heard of. Never heard of that. What is this Phoenix Wright you speak of? <laughs> Objection! So, no, I, of course, know what Phoenix Wright is before anyone. So, this is the first three Phoenix Wright games that were released on Game Boy Advance, I believe. Uh, but yeah, but it's essentially a crime drama visual novel slash uh, detective game. Uh I, I, I'm, no, I'm pulling from like a half a dozen different genres, but Phoenix Wright is a weird game, and also has a, a you know, a very JRPG sense of itself. You know, kind of wacky, but at the same time taking itself seriously. Looks like it, yeah, it has both the English and original Japanese. Let's see. Uh, French, German, Korean, simplified Chinese, and traditional Chinese language support will be added into the game in a post-launch update. But all 14 episodes spanning the first three games and one glorious collection. There you go. Phoenix Wright. (laughs) So, you're up. Yeah, I'm I'm staring at this, trying to figure out what it is, but what I should be doing is grabbing the link for it. It's called The White Laboratory... And it is a physics-based tower defense and real-time strategy that game. Is interesting. Where it, it looks like you create you know, towers that actually move and do things, and you Howl's moving tower. Yeah, you move the towers around, and the towers do different things. It looks like some of the towers shoot, but some of them are melee-based. And they swing blades around or roll around and smash stuff up. It looks interesting. I like the art style, too. That very minimalist, even with colors. You've got very muted. It's like grayscale with some light reds and maybe yellows and oranges. This looks interesting. It's got mixed reviews. It's been out, it looks like, for two weeks. But looks cool. Ah, oh, shit. I just clicked off of my discovery queue. 
by accident. Oh, uh, well, since you uh, have to reload, uh, how about my next one? That's literally the next one on my list. Islanders. Islanders is a minimalist strategy game about building cities on colorful islands. So, sort of almost an idle game, um, but not quite. Uh, I mean, to be honest, city builders kind of go one of two ways. Either very hard uh, simulator or kind of just a sandbox to do things in. And this looks like it's firmly in the sandbox side of things. This is by the same developer that did Superflight. So the art style is very familiar if you're were interested in that game. And if they pull off what they did with Superflight, where they have the procedural generation down, this could be you know a sandbox that you could mess around with for a very long time. It's not out in early access. It's just a full release, and it's a $5 game. So there you go. Gotcha. So this, I, I got one that sounds interesting. I'm just going to read this. Um, it was very intriguing. Bow to blood, last captain standing. Become a captain. Fly your ship and command your crew as you compete to become champion in a winner-take-all reality show. Build relationships and plot betrayals to avoid getting voted off the season and become the last captain standing. Optional VR support. This just sounds really interesting. Like a really neat concept. Um, yeah. it it's It looks sort of like... Actually, it looks like there's some... It's recommending FTL based off of this. I was going to say the command aspect might be inspired a little bit by FTL. I mean, this is the first person type of game, so it's definitely not, you know, designed to look or play like it, but there's some command stuff and looks like some, yep, random. So it's a rogue light. Uh, so that would be similar. Probably another reason why it's recommending FTL as a similar type game. FTL and go... Oh, no, it's not even FTL for me. It's uh, Homeworld and Galactic Civilizations. Interesting. I got FTL and Space Rogue as the one and two. But anyways, it looks neat. I like it. Or at least like the look of it. Yeah, it's kind of funny that I mentioned Sherlock Holmes before. Uh, it looks like there's no mystery to this one. Curious Cases for desktop or VR. In this three-chapter story, you play as a modern-day legend detective, uh, Thomas Moore. He has uh, solved uh, more cases than one can count. Where others hit dead ends, he gets to work. So a uh, first-person 3D detective game. I mean, it doesn't look too bad. There's some uh, a couple places where it looks a little jank. You know, uh, like uh, pre-bought assets, but looks like it's rated fairly positively, but it only has 17 reviews. So, interesting. But, you know, detective games, uh, it's one of those things that I do love my detective stories, but at the same time, detective games are a minefield because if they get too difficult, you know, you pretty much have to be thinking exactly like the developer to be able to fix it or to solve it. But if they're too easy, they're not really a, that much of a story. Let's see. It looks like this isn't their first... Oh, hey, I just got Phoenix right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it looks like they've done a few, uh, like, escape room games. Uh, let's see. Elder Scrolls Online? Nope. Or uh, the expansion. I got Islanders also. 
Oh, I'm getting somebody like uh, your level trash. Yeah, I had a couple of games that didn't even have English language support, so I just skipped past that. Yeah, no, that's just an expansion for another game. Oh, that looks terrible. I am nearly done with my queue. Yeah, I'm... Okay, Oh, interesting. Alright, I'll throw this on the pile just because it looks like it's a free-to-play game. And it's, uh, and it's okay. a CCG. The Horus Heresy Legends. Warhammer 40k card game. Okay. No idea about this. War, uh, Warhammer 40k is a literal minefield for for video games because uh, the rights holder just, you know, they're sort of the, they're the anti-Disney for with the Star Wars license where they just gave it to everyone. <laughs> It didn't yeah. really care about the quality. It looks like it's a pretty standard CCG from what I can tell from the screenshots. I'm not sure what's really supposed to define it from everything else outside of just, yo, hey, it's Warhammer, right? Yeah. So, I don't know what to make of this. At first, so this game is called Wasteland Survival. I'm getting over to drop a link in. At first, I was like, oh, is this based in the Wasteland universe? The I think the that's one I saw CRPG. that I just skipped. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, but it's Yeah, that's not... that, that's one I skipped because it just looks terrible. Yeah, it's a... F, the only, I mean, the only reason I'm bringing it up is to just be like, hey, this doesn't... This is not in the Wasteland universe. It doesn't look like maybe someone trying to capitalize on some recognition or, hell, maybe they just got lucky with that. But yeah, it's a free-to-play zombie survival crafting game that's got a top-down sort of thing. I mean, it's free, free-to-play. I guess you could check it out if you wanted to, but it doesn't look good. I mean, if you want uh, a survival game, uh, check out mine instead. Don't escape four days in, in a wasteland. Survive through four days at the end of the world in the, this post-apocalyptic click, point-and-click thriller where your choices could keep you alive or not. I mean, it looks better, right? I like that. Could keep you alive or not. We don't fucking know. Looks like this is their first game, or at least first game on Steam, uh, by the developer. The publisher is pretty well-known, though. Armor Games. Yeah, I've heard of them. Yeah, they have 11 games on Steam right now, and some pretty decent ones as well. Well, they have Soda Dungeon, which is a pretty decent game, if memory serves correctly. It's uh, more known on mobile, though. So, yeah. So that's my whole queue. Yeah. I got three today. Yeah, that was my queue. I I must have been infected by you, because I got a lot of shit. And some of it uh, I passed on to you, inadvertently. Yeah. And I mean, I, I had a, I mean, I would have brought up Phoenix Wright, but you got it first. And Islanders look neat, so I probably would have brought that up, but you got it first, so. So I'm stealing your good stuff. Yep. And I got one of your crappy ones. But hey, that's how it goes sometimes. So, that's the queue over, which means it's time for me to say, Hey, Rage, hit him with the socials. Well... Uh, once again, I've been Caffeine Rage. You can find me on YouTube, 
Gaming with Caffeine Rage on Twitter, Gaming with CR, and eventually, maybe someday on Twitch, Caffeine underscore Rage. And you've been? I have been Gaming Psychologist. If you want to find my stuff, you can do so on the YouTubes by searching for Gaming Psychologist. And I do want to say hello, a couple of new subscribers that I've got. I assume that you listen to the podcast on YouTube, which is cool. That's why we put it there, so that people can listen to it there. But I don't, nothing else regularly goes on YouTube, so enjoy. Uh, if you want to find me on Twitter to see me tweet about whatever it is that's on my mind at the time, you can do so by following me at JMA4707. And if you want to be my friend on Steam, you can do so by sending a friend request to JArthur4707. And if you want to let me know what episode of the podcast you're coming from, the password for this week is Multipass. <laughs> Multipass. 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 Oh, so since we've done our personal stuff, let's do the podcast stuff. Once again, you can email us, vglpodcast at gmail.com with your letters, voicemails, game-related topics, or just tweet them to us, vglpodcast. Our lovely, lovely patrons can find out more, or you could uh, find out more about becoming one of our lovely, lovely patrons at patreon.com slash vglpodcast. And our lovely patrons have paid for our Podbean account, vglpodcast.podbean.com was host the RSS feed, our show notes, and links to both our stuff and stuff for the podcast, including the Discord, which has been actually fairly active tonight. <laughs> I guess we woke them up. Must have. But if you don't wish to have the RSS feed, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, or where, well, far better podcasts can be found, and somehow we've slipped on. <laughs> Our intro and outro music is On the Ground by Kevin McLeod, and our Discovery Key music is Doobly Doo by the same artist. You can find his work at incomputech.com and... As always, as his lovely music starts to roll across my voice, bye bye now. See you next time. Something that really struck me whenever I was rewatching a bit of uh, Fifth Element uh, today was just how blatant the product placement was, but how much it actually fit in the world. Uh, like the like okay. the giant McDonald's. Yeah, it, that makes sense. That, that's the thing is that whenever product placement is done well, it kind of blends into the background. The problem is that modern uh, product placement is just so egregious. Yeah. I wonder if that's just because the contracts, uh, yeah, it makes it so that they can't blend into the background anymore. I don't know. Maybe. I was watching, I was watching Friends the other day, and I have to say, as far as product placement goes, Friends was probably one of the best I've ever seen. Cause there is just, I mean, there's, if you look for it, there's shit everywhere, but it's all in the background and it makes sense. Like, you know, there will be cans of Coke sitting on the counter in the kitchen in the apartment. And it's like, yeah, absolutely. Of course there would be Coke cans there because it's a kitchen and there would be drinks and food. And they're slobs. Out. But they're just <laughs> – they are. But they're just sitting on the counter. It's not like everyone else is holding a Coke being like, 
Mmm, yes, would you like to try a sip of this new delicious Coca-Cola? Which there was, I think it was CSI Miami. Oh, yeah, the, the, the Subway. The Subway, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, well. Yeah, I mean, it was basically I an mean, ad read. But yeah. then again, CSI uh, isn't exactly the greatest of shows to begin with. Let's be perfectly frank. No. The original definitely had some moments. And I enjoyed sort of watching it, but it wasn't great. And then I never enjoyed CSI Miami. Uh, one interesting uh, thing was uh, when I was watching Back to the Future with the director's commentary is when they were talking about the California Raisins, uh, they had a uh, marketing deal with them. Because uh, Back to the Future is another one of those movies that has uh, some rather blatant product placement, but you don't uh, recognize it. Like the very beginning of the movie when Marty's wearing the sunglasses, that's product placement. Yeah. Uh, but the big one for the uh, uh, was uh, that they got in trouble for for a little bit was uh, the California Raisins Association. Yeah, th- yeah, this was back in the eighties when yeah you know, the California Raisins was a big thing, right? <laughs> You know, I was having a conversation at work today about California raisins. What, did somebody hear through the grapevine? hi <laughs> No, one of my coworkers is from California, and somehow it, it came up, and he was talking about them, and then we all got to talking about them in the front office. But anyway, uh, the movie, uh, originally, the uh, group wanted just... You know, have a big bowl of raisins, just this massive bowl sitting on the banquet table. And, uh, the director, Robert Zemeckis, got in a big fight with the, <laughs> the with the lawyer representing them because he said it looked like a bowl of dirt sitting there <laughs> when they were shooting it. And they actually got in trouble because the way they got, they worked it into the, uh, they uh, covered the contract was when Marty came back to the present. Yo, know, the hobo uh, with the yo know, uh, with the song on the radio. Yeah, uh, that was covering it, and they got pissed about it. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, that's another subreddit. Uh, did I ever send you movies in the making? Yeah, okay. you I did. wasn't sure. Yeah, I've been on there several times since you did. Yeah, it's just uh, kind of uh, you know how the sausage is made, right? 